Hello, this is Gary McIntyre. I'm here with Alyssa Waldhauser, and this is another episode of Meet the Staff on our Digital DBC podcast. Uh, Alyssa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Gary. Well, I am currently the Creative and Ministry Operations Director here at DBC. I've been here almost a year on staff, and I took over for Barb Newman, who retired, and I just fill some of her roles. She was the Congregational Ministry Operations Director, I believe, and um, and she worked full-time, more than full-time, and I am a part-time employee that uh, just makes things, make sure things go okay and uh, I run the calendar, make sure that the newsletter is edited and all the communications are put together by our communications director, and then just try to help the Sunday school classes as best I can and the outside people that use our resources, make sure that they have the right things and are in the right spaces. Um, I came to DBC as just a attendee at first in 2017. It was actually the day of the solar eclipse. We were on our way to Cherokee, North Carolina, and uh, we saw on the billboard or the reader board outside that they were going to do a kids program orientation or open house. And we were like, well, we'll try it out. Um, I was raised Catholic. My husband was raised Lutheran. We never thought we would set foot in a Baptist church, but uh, our pastor in California said, don't let the name on the sign deter you. You find a Bible preaching church that's good for your family and a good community. So we decided to try it out. We had tried another church uh, locally, and the kids were very overwhelmed. It was a very big church, and um, they were sad because we went to a small church when we had lived in Memphis. So we came here. They came out of the children's programming, and they were like, can this be our church, please? So we were like, well, I guess we'll listen to the preaching. And we went and stayed for the message. We had no intention of staying for the message. We were going to go straight to North Carolina to see the solar eclipse. But because the kids liked it so much, we wanted to check it out further. And in the middle of Alan's sermon, Chris is looking through the tenants of the church. And he turns to me and he says, I think we might be Baptist. <laughs> and, uh, and so we decided to try it the next Sunday and we never left. Um, that was August 2017. And then we became members by immersion baptism because neither one of us had been immersed before. We were sprinkled as babies in August 2018. And Chris was a little belligerent and uh, said, well, if we have to do it like Jesus, then let's do it like Jesus. And we convinced Alan and our pastor from California and Katie Swilly to let us get baptized in the Chattahoochee. So we went in the backyard of one of the church members and um, got... Wait, wait, wait. So let me get this right. <laughs> So Alan Jackson <laughs> baptized you in the Chattahoochee. I mean, that's like a second verse of a famous song. <laughs> it's right there. It's, it, anyway, yes. please keep going. Funny you should mention that because we had friends that were local that came to the baptism that don't go to this church. And as they pulled into where everybody was parking, that song was on the radio. <laughs> so they they took a picture of their radio <laughs> Uh, words. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I, first of all, I love that song. <laughs> uh, I remember I took a, a group of kids to youth camp uh, several years back, and we were at, near this amphitheater, and Alan Jackson was in concert, not the preacher version, <laughs> right. the singer version. Uh, he was in concert, and so we're just sitting on our balconies. We sent the kids off to the conference. <laughs> 
with adults and <laughs> they were led and we're sitting there on the balconies just listening to the concert we're like this is the best youth camp ever so that was that was a a, a lot of fun i always <laughs> thought chattahoochee high school should use that as their fight song <laughs> I, I but I, I ought to call them say hey let's give it a go uh so you first of all i give you credit <laughs> for staying and coming to the service and not skipping on up to the the solar eclipse <laughs> I kind of geeky like that. I think I, I think I would have found my way up to the eclipse because uh, I mean I'm the guy who was sitting on my deck with my little camera and the filter and watching the shadow on the deck and all that kind of stuff because I'm cra- I, I like that kind of stuff. Well, we made it in time. I think we had a buffered a day, had a day buffer, so we we did get to see it after all in Cherokee, North Carolina. It was a great little trip, but. We, we stayed, and like I said, we never left. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom for 11 years uh, when Barb said she thought God was telling her to ask me to take her job. <laughs> and I was like, but is he, though? <laughs> because I was, I was pretty comfortable. Um, I was volunteering with an organization called Bible Study Fellowship. I was a substitute teaching leader, so I prepared lectures and training um, lectures just a few times a year and then training every week for the ladies in that organization. Um, at, and that meets here, right? No, that's community Bible study meets here. Okay. Uh, the Bible study fellowship local uh, branch, there's a lot, there's a ton, but the one I was a part of meets at Mount Vernon Baptist. Oh yeah. And I went to church Monday there nights. years ago. Uh, that's, that's a great little church. Well, medium sized. Yeah. Church. It's not, it's not too yeah. small. Um, and I, like I said, I was super comfortable doing that, loved being available for the kids and really had no plans to go back to work till the kids were in like later middle school. Um, but we prayed about it and then COVID happened and <laughs> delayed everything and uh, came on board just shadowing fall of 2020 and then took over um, the end of March, 2021 uh, and still, still learning. But I mean, it's interesting to me how everybody seems to have their own COVID happened story because, uh, I mean, I think you can almost that that seems to be the line now, you know, oh. before COVID, after COVID, uh, had COVID not happened, I probably wouldn't even be here. I'd probably be a pastor at a church over in Covington. We, wow. were, we were that close to closing the deal. And it's all of a sudden it's like uh, we're not even meeting anymore. It's like, oh, OK, gotcha. So it was a, in a weird way. It was a blessing because because I was a stay at home mom and I didn't jump right into the saddle. I was able to homeschool the kids when it was necessary, when the schools are shut down. And then I I'm kind of like an all or nothing personality a lot of the time. And um, I remember I was like, OK, I'll go to seminary and I'll start working and I'll and I just like was loading my plate with tons and tons of stuff. And then COVID happened and I felt the Holy Spirit say, uh, pump the brakes. <laughs> like, let's learn how to be a working mother before you try to be a working mother and go to seminary and all that stuff. So. Now, you're about to go back to school, right? Is that right? I am. But and I just- your daughter is a little bit. <laughs> My daughter is not happy about change. And tell us why. (laughs) Well, I mean, she wants me around all the time right now. Well, didn't she she think you were actually leaving for school? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she thought I was like going away to college. Um, Which (laughs) is so cute. The picture of that is amazing. (laughs) It's just like, all right, I'm going to go pledge a sorority. (laughs) Have fun, guys. I'll see you in four years. That's awesome. No, my plan is... um, my 
I guess my my plan is I would like to get my master's of arts of teaching. I really, really, really love teaching. And being here at the church with Dunwoody Christian School has really let me see that that is my real passion. And I love uh, being here when they're here. And I love working here. And I've learned that I can work and parent and run a house. So we're going to slowly roll into that. So I think the the typical program takes two years if you do it full time, and I am not planning on doing it full time. So plan on working here and seeing how long it takes me to get that credential, that credentialing so that when Katie goes to high school or if she finishes high school, whatever, when I'm ready for a full-time job, I've got the credentials behind me. Right. So I want to back up a little bit. Uh, I want to eventually get to, to how you came to Christ. But before your Christ story began, you had an army story. <laughs> how did that come about? I did. Um, so I went to the College of William & Mary in Virginia, and I grew up in a small town where I was extremely good at school and extremely good at soccer. So my parents thought that I would get a scholarship Either way, um, I decided to go to a very highly academic school, so I did not get the academic scholarship, and I did not get recruited for their soccer team. Um, I was a walk-on on their soccer team until I realized that's like a full-time job to be a collegiate athlete, and I really wanted to experience college, so I decided not to do that, so there was no chance of getting money for school. So I liked being outside and I liked leading and I got an ROTC flyer in the mail and I decided to try ROTC. So I tried it for a camp weekend. It was really fun because they give you all the fun stuff up front. And then I went on my first field training exercise as an ROTC freshman cadet and it was awful. It was so miserable. We were freezing. My ammo pouches were full of Tootsie Rolls um, because we didn't have real ammo. So I stuffed them full of candy and I just laid there and froze and ate Tootsie Rolls the whole night. So after that, on that Monday, I went to quit uh, ROTC because I was like, this is not for me. I am not a soldier. And the captain in charge was like, well, what if we offered you a scholarship? And I was like, ah, I'm listening. So he was able to offer me a three-year scholarship. So I only had to find money for one year of school. And uh, and I was like, okay, let's do this. I was not a very amazing cadet at the beginning, but I met an amazing cadet who was Waldo at the time. Now everybody knows him as Chris Waldhauser, but he kind of ushered me into being a good cadet and being a good leader. Uh, he was a an extremely good uh, ROTC leader, and uh, we became really close friends um, junior year, I realized, oh my gosh, I have to be in the army. I better choose something cool. So I decided I've got good eyesight. I'll put in a flight packet. <laughs> so <laughs> I put in a flight packet. Um, they have quotas and I'm a girl. So I got picked up. I passed the test. Um, so I guess I wasn't a complete loss, but <laughs> I, uh, nothing in my makeup makes me a pilot other than I'm very organized and detail oriented. But, um, I decided to go to flight school once I got assigned to Germany as a second lieutenant and Chris got assigned to Texas. And I was like, ooh, this doesn't work with my marriage plans. So I accepted the flight slot, went to flight school in Fort Rucker, Alabama, so I could stay in the United States and marry 
the boy that I loved. <laughs> this is such a cheesy, like girly story. Um, and then uh, we lived apart. He lived in um, Fort Knox, Kentucky, and then Fort Hood, Texas. And I lived in Fort Rucker, Alabama. We got married six months out after school um, in 2002, in December 2002. And then I graduated flight school in October 03, 02, 03. Oh, three, I think. And then we went to, um, that's when the war started was oh three, uh, Iraq operation, Iraqi freedom. He was set to go, uh, but Turkey wouldn't let their equipment through. So he got delayed by a year and then that put us on the same rotation schedule. I got sent to Iraq in February. So I reported to my unit in October oh three did a couple of flights in Fort Hood, Texas, and then got sent to war. So my first real medevac, I was a medical evacuation pilot. So my first real medical evacuation was in Iraq. Um, and it happened to be two deceased pilots that had hit wires and drowned in a river. So it was horrible and a really eye-opening that, oh my gosh, this is what I chose for myself. And I'm, I'm, I'm now stuck for six years because as soon as you put the wings on your chest, you owe six years. And I did that for seven plus years, seven years and three months, I guess, and got out, went straight from being a officer in the United States military pilot to a stay-at-home mom. So that was a rough transition. So was there at any point you say, hey, you know what, maybe I could do this for a living? Um, I always, my whole life wanted to be a mom. Um, so I, I saw like college and uh, the army and everything as ways to grow and ways to learn, but not really ways to make a career. So with the uh, with the flying, I didn't love it enough. It wasn't a, as big of a passion as it probably should have been for the effort that it takes. Um, and I knew as a new person with not that many hours that I would be like, oh, you have Thanksgiving, you have Christmas, you have all, all the holidays. That's just how they do um, new people. So I really didn't want that. I wanted to raise a baby and I wanted to be at home. And um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom and... I really respected it and I, that's all I really wanted to do. So I like the idea of it and I would love to go and get a couple of refresher lessons and then take my kids up when they're late, when they're older. But no, I never really thought my, my stick buddy. So you go through flight school with a, another person in the cockpit with you. Oh, we're talking helicopters, right? Helicopters. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. UH 60 Blackhawk helicopters is what I flew. And my stick buddy is the stick buddy is the guy that's with you in your training. And he is still a pilot and he um, has his private pilot's license. And every once in a while, he'll send a text harassing me, asking me to go get my training and, and be a pilot. And I'm like, I don't, Really want to. <laughs> so, and on beautiful days like today where it's blue skies, crystal clear, it would be a great day for a helicopter flight. So, could you jump in a cockpit right now and say, Oh, yeah, I remember how to do this? And probably, I think the startup would be a little rusty, um, I, but I could use the checklist and get through it, no problem. Um, the landing might be a little rough because it is a finesse thing. Uh, one of my instructors in flight school said it's like learning how to balance on a beach ball because you are trying not to go forward, backwards, side to side, or up and down the entire time. Um, and there's something that controls all of those things. Um, so, so what I'm Maybe. hearing, it's not like the movies where they just jump in and say, oh, I've got this. Start 
the flipping switches and <laughs> there they go. I I really think they should probably be looking at a checklist. I it's not it's like riding a bike like the feel is just like riding a bike and I'm sure the collective is what makes you go up and down and the cyclic is what makes you go forward backwards side and side. I'm sure I could take those two instruments and be able to fly a helicopter. The landing would be a little rough and the takeoff I would need a checklist. So are there pedals at all? There are pedals. And yeah. What so now you got the collective, the joystick, cyclic, cyclic, cyclic okay, mm-hmm. and pedals. Pedals, yeah. The pedals control your yaw, so your nose can go right or left at all times. So you keep the pedals going so that your nose stays straight. Gotcha. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm amazed at people who can like work a drum set uh, <laughs> with all the the hand and leg stuff going on. I can't imagine doing that like a, a, in a military vehicle. I always wanted to. I thought that would be so much fun. Uh, and then I ended up in seminary and they didn't, they didn't have that <laughs> they class. They don't have that, no. no it was like I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> so anyway, so how did you get from the Army to all of a sudden how – now Jesus is a part of the story. Where, where, how did tell, Walk us down that path. I so wish that Jesus, and he was, he was part of a story the whole time, but I didn't know it. Um, and I so wish I knew it in the army. It would have been such a, a peace and comfort in those really trying times. But we um, got pregnant with our first baby in 08, and we decided that we were raised going to church, not consistently, and we really didn't have a relationship with God, but we it was part of our lives. So we decided with our kids, we were going to do that too. So we were going to a little Lutheran church in Midland City, Alabama, and, um, and we found out that something was wrong with our baby. And I... I was told by the teaching hospital to um, to terminate and try again. And it was that that was my on my knees moment um, where God really started chipping away the the shell of my heart. And he I, I told him, I couldn't I can't do this. I can't make this decision. Either you make her live or you make her die. I can't I can't make that decision. And when we found out that it wasn't going to be dangerous for me to carry to term or however long she was going to live, we decided that we would continue the pregnancy. And then we went to our pastor and got some counseling about like what where do we go from here? And that was really just the tip of um, the journey of our our faith walk. Um, we didn't actually. So that was oh eight, um, and then we moved to we stayed in that was in uh, Midland City, Alabama. We moved to Knoxville, Tennessee, and had the babies, had them baptized. Um, moved to Florida. And again, we're consistently going to church, taking the kids, but really nothing beyond that. We tried an adult Sunday school class one time in Alabama, and they started singing a song about Egyptians and doing the walk like an Egyptian motions. And we were like, Ugh. okay. Would that be the classic hymn, <laughs> Pharaoh, Pharaoh? Yes, it would be. It would be. And we were terrified, so we didn't go back. Um, but we kept going to service and um, moved to Florida, stayed there for a year. And this is all with Chris's job and then moved to Southern California. So this is where I know God has a sense of humor because I feel like Southern California is pretty far away from the Bible Belt. But that's where we encountered Jesus. Um, we had a pastor at the Lutheran church that we were going to there who was the most real religious leader I've ever seen. He was very upfront with his flaws and talked about how Jesus was working on him too. He walked me through the Lutheran church's decision um, when they split ELCA and LCMC, I think. Um, And I, 
I just, I fell in love with uh, the idea of God. I went to Bible study fellowship. I was invited by my pastor's wife and I dragged my feet because I was like, this is not for me. This is not for my age group. But when I went in there, it was like a college seminar. And I honestly hadn't really exercised my brain in at that time, five years, I guess, or three years, Katie, I think was three. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So God knew how he needed to reach me. And it was through my mind first. And I continued going to class, continued saying lots of stupid things in the circle. Um, like, I think, well, if Jesus wants it to happen, then everything's going to work out and be easy. And my leader would be like, well, like there's a thing called spiritual warfare and there's obstacles and blah, blah, blah. So I was very immature in my Christianity, but I joined when they were doing the book of Matthew. I mean, what better book to do if you don't know anything about the Bible? Uh, so great to start with the Gospels. And then we did the life of Moses. And I just six months later, I got asked to be um, a preschool Bible teacher in with Bible study fellowship. And I was like, I laughed. I honestly laughed when they called me because one, I didn't much care for kids. Like I liked my kids sort of, but I didn't really want to be around anybody else's kids. And then two, I didn't know the Bible. Like those kids probably knew better than I did, but a very wise Christian woman who had been walking with Jesus her whole life told me, you will learn more trying to boil it down for these children than you'll ever learn on your own. And so I stepped out in faith and and did it, and it was the biggest blessing of my life. And I, I credit Bible Study Fellowship and Jane Brashears, my pastor's wife, for kind of paving the way to my salvation. Because um, before I was a, a, I guess a cultural Christian, I, a nominal Christian at best, but I truly started my relationship with Jesus in Bible study fellowship. Gotcha. So question I like to ask is I, I want to give you an opportunity to go back in time because we can do that <laughs> on this podcast. We can do anything we want to do. I want you to go back in time. And if you could have a conversation with a younger version of you, what kind of advice do you think you might give younger you based on what you know now? Oh gosh, that's such a good question. And I, I feel like I get to live every day with younger me because my daughter is so much like I was when I was her age. And what I consistently tell her is to not take yourself so seriously and give people grace. I was so big on always doing the right thing and then judging others for not doing it. It would ruin my whole night if friends would show up like 10 minutes late or, you know, if I if I had a different idea about something, it just would ruin my whole night. And I think I would have had a lot more fun and a lot more freedom if I released myself from that and just didn't take myself so seriously. Uh, that's some good advice. I, I keep waiting for someone to tell me, oh, I'd go back and just change this one thing. Mm -hmm. But knowing that the minute you change something, everything changes. And so I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to have that discussion with someone knowing, all right, you change this, you might not even be married to who you are now. Because we're a sum of the decisions we've made. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I think that, that was some good advice. John had some great advice yesterday, and I'm not going to talk about it <laughs> because that's on another episode, and I want everybody to listen to that. But, yeah, he, he nailed it, and I think he just gave a, a really good answer as well. So uh, tell me a little bit. Of, I mean, what do you think about 
your vision for Dunwoody Baptist Church? I mean, what do you kind of what are you excited about? And uh, if you if you could like roll something out, what do you think that might look like? Oh man, I wish that people would give this church a chance. Those that aren't coming, I wish that they would come because the community and the way you encounter Jesus here is unlike anything I've experienced in my faith walk. And there's no better thing to market or to, I don't know, proclaim than the gospel and Jesus Christ. But people have to make that step to come in the doors and and experience it themselves. So I think maybe just more um, more community outreach, more events that make people want to just check us out. Um, and then once they come, they're not going to want to leave probably. I mean, it's, it's a great, great place. My kids love it here. My husband loves it here. We're just, we're so integrated and it's such a Bible based church. There's, there's really nothing that goes on that isn't rooted in scripture. And I love that about this church. So I just, I don't know. I would want a and I think I'm kind of in charge of the marketing, so <laughs> maybe I should be coming up with these ideas, but I, I just would want more people from the surrounding community to come and just wander in one day and really experience what we're doing. Um, I think the way we have groups set up, the way that we do Sunday mornings, our outreach with the sports ministry and the fitness center and the preschool, and even just having Dunwoody Christian School here is just upped the excellence of of this this place and i would i just want more people to know about it all right uh you got anything else before we close this thing out i don't think so Uh, it's pretty easy yeah you did great (laughs) uh so again we're gonna close this thing out i'm gary mcintyre i'm here with Alyssa waldhauser and what what is your role what is your job title it's creative and ministry operations director nice (laughs) nice good job uh so we were here with uh, Alyssa waldhauser and this has been an episode of meet the staff we look forward to you being with us next time thanks for joining us